Welcome back as we broadcast live from SEC Media Days, brought to you, of course, in part by our friend Bassey's Lawn and Garden. David Bassey's got you taken care of there in Cleveland, whether it's commercial, industrial, whatever you need, Bassey Lawn and Garden. And joined by a very special guest of ESPN, joining us now, uh, it is Chris Dorian who joins us now, and he's a wide receiver for Florida, but now he's a superstar. How are you, Chris? I don't know about that. I appreciate it. It's good to be here with everybody else. It's like uh, first day of school, right? Everybody comes back from vacation and uh, now has a chance to get ready for the season. Well, so there are all these crazy lists that come out, and I don't put more credence in one than the other, but there was one this week that got Tennessee fans riled up at Florida above Tennessee in the SECs behind Georgia. Just kind of curious your thoughts on how you see the East shaking out. I mean, obviously, you know, I have ties to Florida, which is, you know, good and bad. One, you know, it's great because I love my alma mater. But uh, two, at the same time, people get upset when I don't necessarily promote Florida as uh, as religiously as they think I should. But uh, I honestly believe that Florida right now is a step behind probably where Tennessee and Kentucky are. Um, you know, I, I'm impressed with, with what uh, Josh Hyper was able to do in this first season in Knoxville, particularly a year ago this time we were talking about all the departures and how they were going to reconstruct the, the roster and to see you know one year later that a lot of people are picking them to maybe be the third best team in the entire league is pretty impressive. Absolutely. Um, so my whole thing has been concentrated on the NIL and as a former player how do you how do you really feel about the NIL and what problems mm. do you think it's causing it's, or solutions? It's, it's a tough position for me to be in because you know to try to look not only at NIL but college football as a whole through the traditional lens uh, is a little irresponsible with how different it is with transfer portal and NIL and, and conference realignment. Uh, you just can't necessarily hang on to the way things used to be. Um, you know, I think I would have probably done pretty well taking advantage of my name image and rightness from my career at Florida. Um, so I like the idea of players being able to to, uh, to to financially gain from that, but I don't like the idea of pay for play. I think we've got to figure out a way to more uh, well define what the rules are and then make sure we're in forcing those rules so that everybody can at least try to compete on a, a, a somewhat level playing field. Who would you leave that up to, like enforcing the rules? Because we all know the NCAA is well, kind of sitting on its hands with everything. I think what you'll end up seeing through some of this realignment is, is um, football becoming an entity in and of itself, figuring out um, who wants to opt in, understanding that maybe you can't necessarily do things that the regular student body can do. For me, it was a privilege to play college football. I had an opportunity not only to have my school and paid for, get a degree from the University of Florida, but uh, playing the NFL and then use the success I had at Florida to do what I'm doing now. So there's a lot of benefit that you get to, to experience as a college athlete. Uh, maybe some of the other student athletes don't, or other athletes on campus don't in general. So you take the good with the bad, you sacrifice a little, but the, the upside is much better. So I think eventually you'll see some sort of uh, uniform group as we, we figure out a way for college football to, to break away from the NCAA as a whole. Chris, when we talk about the, the NIL money that's, that's going to the, the players, ultimately how much does that raise expectations and raise expectations on certain young men that have been tied to big time dollars suddenly you know that whole argument that i had is i've always said you don't do college athletes because they don't make money now that's kind of out the window well it, it depends on how you're looking at it right i mean are these people being play, paid because of what they're supposed to be doing on the field i mean i think we'd all be 
naive if we said that that wasn't an expectation, um, especially when you're seeing guys that haven't even played a snap of college football yet making more money than the proven uh, players are on the, the roster returning. So, you know, I, I do think there's already a lot of pressure on student athletes. Um, you know, focusing on mental health is an important thing that uh, a lot of um, folks around college athletics have talked about a little bit more uh, with social media and, uh, and the, the voices that you're forced to hear from fans that may or may not be uh, a good representation of the rest of the fan base has got to be tough. Um, but then you add another layer of, of getting paid and people knowing that you're making this kind of money and not necessarily having the success as quickly as, as you might uh, want to have. It, it, it's something I think that we're going to have to continue to focus on and, and protect uh, student athletes as much as we can to to uh, create some support for the, the mental health aspect. Would you like to see the SEC take an aggressive approach of controlling the sport? Because I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but the NCAA hasn't done a very good yeah. job to this point. Would you like to see the SEC just kind of maybe become that institutional? I don't part? think you'll do that because you don't want to put your conference at a competitive disadvantage with what everybody else is doing, right? I mean, we're going back to see rules within the states that were written supposedly to help try to to, to give advantages to their schools within that, that state, now having to rewrite them because they realize that there are, when, when you have no rules, it's better than having rules. And so now I don't know that the SEC would be willing to, to make that sacrifice. I think they could provide the leadership um, to do so with everybody else jumping on board, but I don't know if they take that first step and, and sacrifice you know what they may be able to, to, to have in an advantage, uh, you know, kind of neutralizing that. So the, a lot of people come at this from a college perspective, but from an NFL perspective, do you see the NIL hurting the NFL further down the road? I don't know that it hurts it. You know, I, I've, I've always been in favor of guys coming back and having not only the opportunity to get better, but to experience life in college. I think that's the one thing you, you talk to a lot of folks when you move on to professional football is how much you miss that time of being with your, your, your teammates and guys that are within four or five years of the same age. It was tough when I went to the NFL. All of a sudden, you know, I'm a 22-year-old guy and on my team's a 35-year-old guy with four kids and a wife. It's a, a completely different time period. So I think, um, you know, looking at what Matt Leonard did, you know, a decade or more ago and, and seeing the value in coming back for another year. NIL, for those that are fringe players, gives them an opportunity to make some money while at the same time enjoying that chance to come back. I'd like to see every year the number of guys that elect to go to the NFL early and, and don't get drafted grows. And, and, and yet, you know, there's plenty of cautionary tales. I think this could help maybe stem that, that uh, continued growth a little bit. As far as the conference realignment, we get your thoughts on this. Um, it just seems odd for me to have USC and UCLA playing in the Big Ten. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a fit. To me, it makes the SEC look even more prominent because it looks like the Big Ten is just going after television markets. How did you read that move? Because it was a bit shocking. Yeah. Again, I think we, like me, are guilty of trying to look at it through this traditional range of, of, of oh, regional and college football, you know, and that's not the case anymore. The idea is to, uh, just like you said, add more eyes for the television viewers to be able to, to demand more money for your, your conference in terms of uh, television rights. Um, I think it's one thing to, uh, we had Commissioner Sankey on our show this morning, I heard him at the podium today, he's talked multiple times about you know, our footprint remaining contiguous, you know, and, and some somewhat regional um, 
you know, remain ignorable a little bit. The, the rivalries that already exist between teams like like Texas and Texas A&M or Texas and Arkansas. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, a couple members of the original Big Eight. Like, so it, it's kind of cool to see that being absorbed into the SEC. But the idea of UCLA or USC playing a you know a November snow game in, in Michigan or, or uh, um, Columbus, it doesn't doesn't seem like that is a great fit, really. Well, along those lines, logistically, too, I wonder, just very pragmatically, if, if you're a player that is looking at Southern, and let's say you're from Southern Cal, you're looking at USC or you're looking at UCLA, and they come to you and they say, oh, you're going to have to travel to Big Ten country yeah. four times, four, four or five times out of the year. That, to me, if I'm UCLA or USC, is something that I would work and recruiting against them. Well, think about two years ago when the pandemic first struck, and all of a sudden, all of these issues with athletic uh, departments, finances came to light. They talked about the travel and and, and trying to stay more regional. Um, that's why I need to go back to it. We're talking about football breaking apart from everybody else. Because how, how is USC, you see, how are they going to you know, travel to the Big Ten footprint for volleyball, for, for women's basketball, for some of the non-revenue creating sports? I just, I think you're going to have to see, you know, a separate uh, entity for college football itself because it's just not uh, sustainable for, for all of the other sports. Last thing. So how do you see the East? shaking out not to give away your prediction yeah you know i, I think the um, the storyline that maybe is not being talked about enough is who that second best team from the sec east is i think we can all agree that georgia probably the cream of the crop but you know you look at tennessee you look at kentucky you know florida in the mix even missouri with the success they've had recently recruiting um who's able to kind of take that that next step um you know i honestly believe i, I said today i thought kentucky was probably the the third best team in the in the conference this year but you know i wouldn't be surprised to see tennessee you know take that honor of, of being the second team behind um georgia Tennessee's got to find a way to get past uh, Florida. That, 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 that dynamic is certainly much different than the one that I experienced when I was at Florida and, and Tennessee and Florida having that big game in September that, that would ultimately describe who uh, decide who would end up going to the SEC championship game from the East. But um, I think that'll be a, 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 that, those first five games, road game at Pitt, having an opportunity to uh, to get Florida home, you know, that'll tell us a lot about what Tennessee's season could potentially be. You did all right in those games, though. I did well. I did well. You know, maybe the best thing that you can get from an opposing fan base is how much they hate you. And uh, I've got a lot of hate from Vol fans over the years. So I, got, I, I got nothing but love. I appreciate it. I've got great relationships, I think, with my work here on the FCC Network. So I appreciate you guys. I'll get out. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, for Chris, I'm Dave. Uh, for Amanda, I'm Dave. More after this. Stay tuned. Thank you, guys. Always great.